Hello, everybody. We're back for another commission podcast. We got a prestige podcast. It's on Enemy of the State, the 1998 uh, thriller directed by one Tony Scott. He is the brother of Ridley Scott, sadly passed away in 2012. He is a director of such fine films as Top Gun, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Days of Thunder, The Last Boy Scout, Crimson Tide, Man on Fire, uh, my personal favorite of his. This movie is written by David Marconi, who wrote Live Free or Die Hard and The Foreigner. Do you remember that? That was the Jackie Chan movie with Pierce Brosnan that we watched a couple years back. Uh, is that the one where he beats up a bunch of kids? No, that's Karate Kid. No, that's Karate Kid. Yeah. It's a Karate Kid. Uh, this one stars Will Smith, who obviously famous for slapping uh, Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. Gene Hackman, we've seen him in the conversation of Hoosiers. It's interesting that this is kind of like the unofficial back or like uh, prologue or epilogue to the conversation. Yeah, it feels like a weird sequel in some ways. Did you notice at one point when the NSA is going through uh, Hackman's dossier, it, it, it's actually a picture of him in the conversation? Not until I read the Wikipedia article, but that's <laughs> cool. Uh, John Voigt who's uh, largely known for creating Angelina Jolie. He's also in Mission Impossible, Anaconda, and Deliverance, among others. Regina National King. Treasure. Regina his... King. Baldy. Mm-hmm. Nominee and winner. Mm-hmm. She's in The Watchmen. She's in The Leftovers. She is so fucking fine in this movie that I didn't even realize it was Regina mm-hmm. King. Will Smith must have an <laughs> ironclad... I cannot be associated with women who are less than dimes contract because they give him two. Mm-hmm. Lisa Bonet. I think it's the other way around. Will Smith was crazy hot during this era. This is true. This man's good looking, right. excellent body, charismatic as the day is long. Regina um, King probably knocking his door down, but also. Yeah, you know. the man's married to Jada Pinkett Smith. What can you say? He's had some luck in that regard. Uh, Jake Boosie. Busey. Busey. <laughs> Jake Bussy. Jake Bussy. <laughs> Jake, Jake Bussy. <laughs> Jake Bussy. Uh, is in this movie. Barry Pepper, uh, mm-hmm. Jason Lee, Gabriel Byrne, as I mentioned, Lisa Bonet, Jack Black. Mm-hmm. Early, early role for him. This Scott is before Kahn. High Fidelity. Scott Kahn, whose neck looks thicker <laughs> than his skull somehow in this movie. Mm-hmm. Anna Gunn, just typecast as playing a bummer of a wife. What? Why? What's wrong with Anna Gunn that yeah. she's always the wet blanket wife? There I is nothing wrong with Anna Gunn. She's Anna amazing. Gunn is attractive. She's charismatic mm-hmm. when you see her mm-hmm. in interviews, but she's always a bummer wife. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, get in where you fit in, I guess. If that's the niche you can carve out, carve it. Um, Let's see. What else? Seth Green mm-hmm. is in here. Tom Sizemore as an yep. Italian gangster. Philip Baker Hall. Uh, Larry King live. This is a huge mm-hmm. like, and it's what it's because like so many of these cast members are like not famous yet. This is like very early in their careers getting started. It's a lot of fun watching this this movie. The NSA goons is just a who's who of people who are going to be go on to be famous in the early aughts. Yes. Um, I've seen this movie before. Saw this in the theater. I've got a oh, lot of really? thoughts about this film. Uh, what made you what see about this sh- movie in the theater? Was it Will Smith? Was it Gene Hackman? Was it it was the, the Will Smith thriller that was PG thirteen? <laughs> okay, yes the the uh, most important. It had the right letters. Like, 
Yeah, yeah, I was allowed to see it. I was like, so this is, I was like, what, 21? No, 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 I was like 22. So I was actually on my own. I'd recently married, uh, living in my own apartment. So I could dip into the rated R waters, but this is something I could go watch with all my buddies, all my buddies from church. And a clear conscience. And I wonder, because the thing is, like, I am morally certain that we watched this movie and then we probably went right to Steak and Shake and we talked about that movie. What in Mm -hmm. the hell could we possibly have talked about this movie? back in the day when we were all apolitical and didn't keep up with politics and current events because this movie's yeah like politics and stuff is in is is, and 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 worldview is kind of like from the future yeah from like three to five years in the future and now like you know with the snowden stuff that came out it's like actually this movie is kind of right on I, I if, thought it was cool when I was when I first saw this movie. I didn't think it was exactly accurate, but now I look at it and I'm like, oh, actually, that stuff, if it wasn't around at that time, was definitely around uh, no more than a decade later. I feel if you grabbed your average millennial, uh, kidnapped them off the street, put a gun to their head, showed them this movie and say, you tell me what year this was made, they would probably guess like 2005. Because it's like you'd say, mm-hmm. obviously post 9-11. Yeah, post Patriot movie, Act. It was, it was a response to that, right? It had to be. It had to be. Because mm-hmm. otherwise it's too pre- prescient. And But it is. And what's so funny about this movie to me, it's, it's like watching... Because of this, it's like watching a really prestigious professor like Noam Chomsky. He's at a lecture and he's talking about foreign policy and uh, manufactured consent and, intele- you know, all this stuff. But then like every 10 or 15 minutes, he just like eats a booger. <laughs> and it's like you're just like, that's what this feels like, because this what, what? is like hmm. this what is, is a like dumb Tony teach? Scott thriller. But it just uh-huh. happened to predict the future. I'm curious to see which scenes you think are the booger eating scenes because I think we'll be in alignment roughly with that. I mean, they're not bad. It's just like Will Smith bad boy shit. Like they'll just throw yeah, in something like ridiculous. that and mm-hmm. just ridiculous things. And sometimes it gets. And but the ending it, is a little over the top, but but it's tight in a plot in a plot regard. Yes. And I think that makes it work right. Like the, the I actual the happenings end... are a little crazy, but the plot is tight. It's funny because like I, when I was watching this movie, it's been a long enough time that I forgot the details. And Me too. But I remembered certain things. Like I remembered the jar scene. I remembered the scene with Regina King in the garage. I remembered a couple You're things. You're either like, oh. incredibly smart or incredibly stupid. I remember that line. <laughs> but like I didn't remember the resolution. In fact, like for the first 10, 20 minutes, I'm like, I know it does, but mm-hmm. I don't see how the fuck Will Smith is going to have anything to do with the John Voight opener. They're like completely mm-hmm. not connected. And then when they connected it and then brought it back for the ending, I, I this is a pretty clever and tight movie. It does do some dumb like late 90s action thriller excesses and like some of the humor is kind of, uh, you know, unsophisticated. But this, I, I think this movie there. is mostly fun and again it's just amazing to think that this movie is made in 1998 and was seen as like you can see contemporary reviews where they're like this is so far fetched mm-hmm. there's no fucking way these capabilities are like science fiction and if anything underplayed you know how a lot of fans like come away from Star Trek and they as kids and they're like I'm going to be a scientist and then they go try and invent tricorders and that's how we get iPhones this feels like the NSA looked at this movie and went, we should try and do some of that. That would be cool. And then five years later, they had it all. 
What's funny is there's con- like, again contemporaneous articles where like the in like uh, former directors of the NSA and stuff were like scandalized by this film. Like I can't believe that people would think that we do things like this. And Jesus, knowing how like the Snowden thing panned uh-huh. out, it's like you were doing this the whole time, you mm-hmm. fuckers. Um, and you, but I have a lot of complicated feelings about this. I I think you and I have sparred about this topic several times. Just um, privacy and- in general. And, yeah, and, and and the way the state of the world is, and where it's going, uh-huh, uh-huh. and how we can get it back. I'm I I got some some more stuff to say about that. Um, uh-huh. Should I? I because we got the commissioner. I mentioned this as a commission podcast. Uh, do we want to get to his notes? Uh, do we yeah, want to talk about the movie good. and then kind of do that? Uh, I'll, I'll do the introduction, and then we'll we'll get to his questions at the end and uh, see if we miss anything. Uh, Andy Andy Aiken is the commissioner for this podcast. He says I was about Jim's age. Or I'm about Jim's age, so I saw this as a teenager. And similar to your observations about the public's reaction to Fight Club, my impressionable ass just got more interested in joining the nation's spying apparatus. Fast forward to a few years, uh, and I ended up joining the Army as an intelligence officer with access to tools and methods similar to what is seen in Enemy of the State. Don't worry, though. This was only in deployment. Uh, He's got a couple (laughs) questions he wants to propound us, but I thought maybe we'd talk about it and get around to that. Um, We have have such cool and diverse listeners i love it yeah to yeah. think that, I bet that this, my I'll, sphere in some way touches somebody who's been part of the military as an intelligence uh-huh. agent is super cool yeah uh i wonder if he's still got his top secret clearance because those are worth so much on the private oh, sector sell that you on know? ebay yeah uh because <laughs> i get i worked with a guy who was a naval intelligence officer and he had a top secret clearance and uh hmm yeah, he, when he finally got something that would make it, he like got an instant two x pay bump. Um, so what do we want to do? Do we want to talk about this movie for a bit in a spoiler free way? Yeah, so I didn't see this movie in the theater. I saw it on DVD for the first time. It was one of those mm. DVDs when DVDs were pretty new in '98, like real sure. new. Oh yeah. Um, this was one of the first ones I saw because I remember buying it from the Walmart that I worked at at the time. Uh. And I had my own personal DVD player in my room and I was watching movies that I thought were cool. And this sounded so cool. Uh, I really liked Will Smith as all kids did in 1998. Uh, He's a megastar. Absolutely. Uh huh. Yeah. It was after Independence Day. So he was enormous at the time. And, and, you know, I kind of thought, you know, old, old man, Gene Hackman, whatever. But he impressed me in this movie. I thought he was cool. As like the guy who lives in a Faraday cage and is like, this might actually be what introduced me to the idea of a Faraday cage, even though they don't name drop Faraday. Uh, this might be the movie that did it. So I have like a lot of affinity for this movie. I remember it, it was around the time of, you know, hackers. And then I, I was really into that security and online privacy type stuff as sure. a late teen uh, or actually like. I'd have been probably 17 at the time uh, when I Checked saw this. Out. 17, maybe 18. Uh, so I was way into the, the subject of this. So I really loved it. It's like my relationship with this movie. And I was curious to see how it would hold up because I could see it being really cheesy. And, and I remember that it was this thriller and that I liked it, but it's been two decades since I've seen this movie. So I was pleasantly surprised with how well it held up. Yeah, I mean, it's very Tony Scott. Like, there's a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, um, he's kind of like a, 
Did you say he's the thinking man's Michael Bay? Because it got a lot of aesthetics, a lot of magic hour shots, a lot of... I mean, it's a Bruckheimer production, right? Green terminal font typing over locations to give it that military Mm -hmm. spy feel, a lot of like uh, composite satellite satellite shots. Yeah, transitions Mm -hmm. and shots to military satellites, beaming things. It it feels, yeah, like like Michael Bay took Adderall. Or or Michael Bay watched Hackers and the conversation and said, I want to do something like that. Can we can we talk about even those being a thriller? It's a little bit like Michael Bay has some of these kind of like jokes, and it's it's not just serious. It's got this ups and downs. Um, the acting is like next level. You've got, I mean, John Voight, Gene Hackman are some of the greatest actors of their g- generation. You got Will Smith at the height of his powers. We talked about Regina King, uh, Lisa Bonet. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought like what Gene Hackman brings to this role like this is fundamentally a silly I, I think during the day it was like a silly almost a science fiction type of role he puts his back into it mm-hmm. yeah uh, I, there's not it, it was surprising to me to not see him until halfway through this movie uh, yep. I remembered him being in it a lot more and I remembered oh, specific yeah. scenes that I thought he was in that he was not in uh and yeah, once he shows up, I believe him as this guy who's deep undercover. Uh, or, you know, he's he's not not in an official capacity. He's just undercover for himself. It's got that, like, late 90s slick processed visuals. Like, the you know, everything's mm-hmm. like the oranges are fucking orange. The blues are fucking blue. Everything's got a little bit of a blue or a green tint through it. A little mm-hmm. haze in the air, a little grime on the glass. Um yeah, it feels very late 90s. Yeah. And and again, I feel like the tech if if anything, the movie undersells the capabilities of the NSA and uh like how bad it would suck to have the entire apparatus of this security state like focused on you. Um, yeah, I, I do wonder if it's if it oversold their capabilities at the time, but then very shortly after it was underselling them. That's what I mean. Like the NSA looked at this and said, "We want to do that stuff," and they did. Yeah. Uh, I think when did Snowden leak his thing? It this was, oh wow, this was in 2013. So you're right; it's entirely possible the technology that they postulated in this just wasn't possible. Especially like mm-hmm. they they had things like fully operational facial recognition, and like there's a couple yeah, things that just you can't phone do calls today. for voice detection, yeah. which. Might have been doable, but that one there's something I just still don't think you can do today where you flip a camcorder image or a CCTV yeah. 180 degrees and then you look at the other side of the sack and it's like it's what? the biggest enhance you've ever seen, right? <laughs> it it's is the biggest pile of bullshit. You can't do that. It's almost from a, like honestly, if this was in a parody movie about spies and stuff, it would play mm-hmm. for laughs. Uh, well, that's the hackers part of it, right? That's like the cheesy, over-the-top, what we think you can do with technology kind of stuff. Oh, and all of the NSA agents are so funny because they're like... This is the beginning of geeks being seen as cool. It's like mm-hmm. Seth Green, his hair is gelled within an inch of his life. He's wearing Hawaiian shirts and puka shell necklaces. He's got... That's just uh, Seth Green in the 90s, man. <laughs> colored lens glasses, leather jackets, sweatpants and hoodies. 
oversized, somehow vaguely European <laughs> turtlenecks. Everyone else is in three-piece suits, you know, uh-huh, at the FBI. Uh-huh. They got the precision arm. But these guys, like uh, these like six, uh, Jack Black and Seth Green and all these guys are just... You know, sitting in bean bags in the in the in the NSA's offices. I thought that was really funny and a particular point in time. You know, yeah. I mean, Seth Green just showed up off. He got up off his couch, rolled onto the set, and whatever he was wearing with his hair color, whatever he dyed it that morning, set down his bong and got on set and and yelled action. Uh, There's just a joke that Jack Black made at Scott Conn's expense where it's like oh are you a field operative uh you can tell by their hair but him and Seth, scott con and seth green have identical hairdos <laughs> uh-huh they're just sh- short on the sides and spiked the, and, and and gelled gelled up to spikes on top i just different colors i don't know what it was with the blonde like tall very loose very tall crew cut uh, in this movie, Scott Kahn's got it. Barry Pepper's got it. Uh, Jake Busey, Jake Bussey has got it. Uh, I, I don't know what it is about the blonde government goon at that time, but mm-hmm. they basically got everybody in Hollywood who had that haircut or could have that haircut and put them on film here. And you've got the, uh, we'll talk about the look and the acting, um, I guess so. What, what do you think about the, the the sound? I felt like a standard Ridley or Tony Scott. It's no thriller soundtrack. Music. Yeah, yeah. Which which he's kind of known for, right? I mean, you think of Top Gun, you think of Days of Thunder. They all have licensed soundtracks, or even music made specifically for the movie by big artists. This this one doesn't right. do that. Not at all. Not at all. Uh. It, it was it was okay. It was pretty standard thriller stuff, I thought. Um, what else do you want to say non spoilery before we get into the the nitty gritty? Uh, I, I think like we talked about all the kind of foolish things, but the plot of this movie holds up really well. I think it's it, you you kind of ran down the plot a little bit, but uh, I I think if you believe that there are people in government agencies who would do nasty things to get their way and then even nastier things to cover up their failures everything else kind of follows in this movie I think mm-hmm. it is a very tightly written script I know uh, like Aaron Sorkin took a shot at this script uh, mm-hmm. Tony Gilroy had his hands on it at one point doing rewrites uh, that's and it kind of shows guy, right? uh-huh yeah and or born that kind of stuff it, it feels like one of those in its tone yeah, it's just slightly like uh, it's very Jason Bourne and some of the like uh, in, there's in, some inventive foot chases like there's a foot chase mm-hmm. on Will Smith. that's like one of the more exciting, thrilling things I've ever seen where he's running down a highway. Yeah, um, it's just it's it's so close to being a Jason Bourne. It's just I don't know, like a half mm-hmm. star away from that quality or it just doesn't take itself Agreed. that serious. Like Tony Scott likes to have a joke and like to have a laugh and likes to bleed the tension off with a scene where you know will smith is on the run and he shouldn't have the time or for like but regina king's got some sexy lingerie on and gotta have a scene about that it's like that's the that's what sets it apart it, it, it's close it's a little closer to james bond dna than like mission impossible uh uh, uh, uh jason Bourne for me yes yeah, slightly yeah like 
But there yeah, are no Jason- holes to poke in this movie. I don't think you can look at the plot and say none of this tracks. You know, it no. it's all rock solid, I think. No, you, you might like I could see people for the end of the movie quip it, whether it's believable or whether. But like I thought mm-hmm. it was a great way to end this particular movie. It's like it, that might not fly in a Jason Bourne. Sure. But it sure. flew like hell in this movie. Uh-huh. We'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause. Here's what's new in premium content for our club members. On the latest episode of Off the Clock, we're catching up on Constellation. Aaron has some Avatar The Last Airbender to talk about, and perhaps I'll give a belated review of Monarch Legacy of Monsters. You can find that in your premium feeds this Wednesday. And don't you forget about lunch, because our weekly Q&A session starts at 1 p.m. this Friday on Patreon. But if you can't catch the show live, you can listen to the podcast later that evening. If you want more Bald Move in your life, head over to support.baldmove.com to find out how you can get tons of bonus audio and video content, plus ad-free feeds. And now, back with more Bald Move. Uh, okay, well, uh, let me give you a synopsis of this film if you haven't seen it. Imagine there's a lot of people that haven't because this is a 25-year-old movie going on now. Enemy State's about a lawyer. Uh, a, a, it seems like a labor. He's a civil, some kind of civil lawyer involved in labor rights, and he's in a dispute between uh, um, a union and a company, and there's mafia guys involved. Um, when he is coming home after a grueling day, it's also a Christmas movie. So it's, it's, it takes place during Christmas. I, I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. I, I wish there was some Christmas music because then I could wholeheartedly say it's a Christmas movie. But he's he's shopping for his wife, and when he's out, he runs into an old college buddy who looks frazzled, uh, and who drops a device into his shopping bags and it runs off. Uh, that device contains footage of an NSA officer executing a representative that's standing in the way to some privacy act being passed. It's going to gut privacy because that's how we do laws in the United States. We call things freedom laws when they're taking freedom away, <laughs> protection laws when they're fucking you. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's, that's happening and uh, the NSA goon wants that tape back because he doesn't want to get uh, suffering any consequences from fucking with democracy like, like you, you know, you, do, you don't want to do. Uh, Will Smith is then on the run for his life. He is bugged and tracked six ways from Sunday. He meets up with, uh, through various connections, Gene Hackman, who is an old school NSA uh, signals agent, and he knows all the trips and tricks, tries to catch him up, and then they try to figure out how are they going to extract themselves in a situation where seemingly the entire security apparatus of the United States is bent upon their destruction. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of fun twists and turns. A lot of cool novel uses of technology that still, because again, it was ahead of the future, ahead of itself, kind of hold up. Like this feels like very plausible for nowadays. Oh, yeah. All right, where do we want to go from here? Is this a Christmas movie? All right, let me let me pose this as a possible rationale for why this is a Christmas movie. He's okay. John Voight is hellbent. You might almost say reckless in his desire 
to catch Will Smith and get this tape back. Yeah. I think it's because it's almost Christmas and he wants to finish this up by Christmas. I think that's his internal motivation. It's the worst having stuff hanging over your head over the holidays, right? right? Yeah, you don't want to be thinking about work when on Christmas morning. You want that off your plate. So he's really just trying to clear his plate before Christmas. Um, There's multiple Christmas signatures. There's like the Christmas trees. There's the Christmas decorations. You see people are shopping for Christmas, hiding presents for Christmas. The one and the movie thing... couldn't happen unless Will Smith is shopping for his wife for Christmas. Right. Yeah, it's not like front and center, but it's also not pushed to the side, you know? And it's not like uh, Catch Me If You Can where it's like there's some memorable Christmas scenes, but the whole movie doesn't take place in Christmas. This could be, I think, up there with Die Hard if they just threw fucking Jingle Bell Rock. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Or Silent Night or something. If it had two recognizable Christmas standards in it, this would be an all-time Christmas classic. Because it kind of feels, it's got that kind of like cold you know gray winter feel to it yeah there's something about it It feels christmasy it's got the warmth in inside of his home right where you got the 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 death of our private lives kind of blowing a chill wind through the movie okay Uh, yeah i I don't know i i would say (laughs) this is not a movie i would want to watch for christmas there are many other better christmas movies but you could it's tangentially related to christmas what do you think? Uh, should we just get right into the central themes of this movie? Or sure. should we talk? Okay. So this movie, I think, accurately sums up and even ends with the conundrum, which is the United States and all countries, sovereign countries, have a legitimate interest in finding out secret information and maintaining secret information to keep their citizens secure. And a, a, a global age of cryptography and interconnected machines and uh, easy to fake identities and credentials and all kinds of stuff. You have to have some kind of edge versus we want to be safe and secure in our own domiciles. We want to have the ability to work out difficult and, and, and tough subjects in our head with our peers. We want privacy. We don't want people to know what we're doing in our, in our doors and it's none of their fucking business that they should keep out. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I have a better, and I used to. I I started off, I think, in the same pa- place as you guys, very passionate about that. Um, but I gotta say, I got no better answers to what we can do now than I did, you know, twenty some years ago. Uh, h- how do you think this movie speaks to these themes, and how does it? How, how what did, did do you have any like insight into it? I mean, it's kind of a genie out of the bottle situation, right? Um, and, and that's I think where we partly see eye to eye on this stuff I would like to try to put that genie in the back in the bottle as much as we can but it's definitely demonstrably true that people do not value their privacy the way that they should and the way that would be required to actually preserve any of it um and myself included you know I putting yourself out there on the internet is immediately going to reduce your privacy in whatever capacity you do. The more, I think Gene Hackman says that the more technology you use, the less privacy you have uh, over the course of this movie. And that's true. That's true. It's much easier to track you. Oh, but then you look at a guy like Gene Hackman going into the jar, and I'm looking at this from 2023 eyes, and I'm like, you could do no useful work in the jar. 
So you can be sure, utterly be in... safe and secure. But... Right. And that's where it comes down to there needs to be a balance, right? Because the other thing that I look at and I say, yeah, that's right on, is when the congressman at the beginning is putting up a fight about voting for this bill and he says, there are other things going on in the world than national security. Mm-hmm. And that's true. It can't be national security all the time that can't be your only concern and willing you know you're willing to give up anything to attain as much national security as possible but and there's also like you know uh the idea that if we would completely askew these technologies for moral and ethical principles and the rest of the world would not which seems to be a fair assumption that if you let the other parts of the world develop these facial recognition technologies and pattern recognition and stuff that you would be so behind that even if you never intend to use these things on your own citizens and only for like the idea that these technologies would be developed is inevitable like in the same way the atomic bombs are inevitable like Mm-hmm. Maybe they'd be get invented in 1945. Maybe they get invented by the Soviets in 1947. They were going to be invented. And the idea that only one person can have them unilaterally was never going to be an option. Sure. And Makes like sense. also if people beating the drums in the 50s and 60s that we should just unilaterally disarm. Probably wretchedly naive. Uh Mm-hmm. So it's like one of those situations where it's like, well, what, you know, it's like what Regina King says at the end. It's like, well, you know, you who watches the watchers Well, who watches the watchers are watching the watchers. Mm-hmm. Where is that? I, I honestly because I so the, the way we disagree is I've always for like the last 10 years remained. We should the best way to get out of this is through. We should push mm-hmm. forward these technologies into where essentially all of society is trained. We all live in glass houses and we just give up the expectation of privacy, but it's asymmetric. It's symmetrical. The rich and powerful don't have privacy. The poor and lonely have privacy. We get over like, you know, being blackmailed by who we like to stick our penises into and uh, what kind of non-conventional lifestyles we have. And what kind of religion like and and we just kind of like get real about the things that are actually wrong and illegal and immoral and unethical in society because we all know what everybody's dirty laundry is. Um, sure. That's in, makes a lot of sense. That's not a very you get popular. There? That's not a very popular opinion because it's like, OK, you go first. Right. Right. And, and you're asking the people with the power to change it, to give up something that they value. I mean, everybody values their privacy. Intensely. Which is why I that's why I say I advocate to essentially research all of these technologies because it eventually will be impossible to have. Like if you get to quantum computing, mm-hmm. you know, you get these you have ever come up with a room temperature, a <laughs> uh, 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 superconductor, whatever you get the quant, you know, easy, cheap quantum computers, all privacy is going to die. The only privacy we have now is at the end of a 2048 bit encryption chain. And when you get quantum computing, those things become trivially easy to crack. Then, like, I think we're done. I think ever like there's just like it's it's over. It's over. It's 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 impossible for private citizens or large corporate internet. And there'll be like an age of discovery and disclosure and possibly revolution. But then that'll be the new normal, and we'll be back to like in the villages where everybody knew what everybody's doing because you were separated by a grass thatch. You know, it's possible. It's possible. I mean, it's that feels like a long time and a lot of disruption uh, to get to that place. The thing is, like when you look at the, the way people feel about privacy, I think there would be so much pushback on that because people 
people value the illusion of privacy so much, right? I was about like, to say I, that. They, if you ask anybody, like, should I be able to put a camera in your bathroom to watch as you poop in the morning? They would mm. say, absolutely not. Are you fucking insane? And yet they will give every single bit of their personal details to Mark Zuckerberg to mine and sell and make money off of and use any way he sees fit, and they'll do it all by clicking a checkbox as they scroll through to see what their mom ate for lunch the next day. They don't even fucking think about it. Yeah. And it's such a weird dichotomy of of the, the illusion that the perceived value of privacy versus the apparent value to them of privacy it's funny because like it'd be one thing if the proposition is like do you want your privacy yeah i want a privacy okay where this digital burka like they've got in uh what was that robert downer jr uh uh scanner Um, darkly yeah 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 and wear that all the time and people like Mm -hmm. oh this is hot it's uncomfortable it's a bummer it's heavy like i could get it but like we're selling our privacy for essentially the government rolling up in a unmarked van rolling down the window be like hey kids you want to look at a cute puppy? I mean, it's literally that. Uh huh. Yeah. Do you want I pictures want of cute pictures. puppies and kittens? Uh-huh. And do you want to share recipes and 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 bad political opinions on Facebook? It's like that's what gets. It's like it's not even like an onerous restriction. Like you can just download Signal. You can download and like it just takes care of all the 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 stuff for you. It's not wearing a digital burka. It's just the people are. Uh, they say they value it, but they don't, and they only bemoan it and mourn it when they realize it's lost and it's all like when, yes. a, when their data gets breached when their identity gets stolen when there's some kind of god-awful border situation that they've got because there's been a cross thing and they're they're on a no-fly list every time else it's like well i get to play farmville so and that's why i call it an illusion of privacy because at any time the nsa could turn their sights to you yes you know, and there's nothing you, you could do right and and it's only by the grace of circumstance that they haven't yet you know like uh if they have all the data they need to look at your life and you know do everything they do in this movie right stick cameras in your house and cancel your credit cards and plant stories in the paper that make people think you're a horrible person they could do all that they just don't care to because you're a nobody as soon as you become a somebody and you have something of value that could be turned that apparatus could be turned against you um and, that's and so it's that illusion thing. of privacy. It's it's almost security through obscurity as a human being, right? And the other thing is, like, they have this, like, in this movie that feels really scary. Is like, Will Smith is a good person, doesn't have really any dirt under his fingernails. But, like, uh-huh. the NSA is able to manufacture and insert it. Yeah. And, like, and it's I just don't even... dumb circumstance that pulls him into yeah. that. But I don't even think that's usually what they do. I just think they, what, it seems like what they really do is go through and it's like, are you having an affair in your wife? Well, we'll hit you with that. You know, uh-huh. like, is there what is did you uh, uh, cheat on your taxes? Did you lie on your bar exam? Did you do like they find something that you've already done that you probably have decided is not that big a deal or it's not that. But it's only not big a deal because no one knows it about you. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I don't know. So, like so I said, there really I, is not much privacy to be had currently. Um, yeah. Yeah. And but that's the thing. It's like one of those things where like, I, I want to live in a world of privacy. It's just I, I like you said, it's the the illusion I've. You know, I, I look at like um, I look at people to have, um, you know, suggesting like, you know, if you want to be untrackable by the government, if you're planning to do some stuff that the government wouldn't approve, here's how the steps you should take and here's all I should do. And like, I don't know that anyone can do 
the things that they're talking about doing perfectly and live in a day-to-day like if, if you want to go into the hills of appalachia or somewhere out in the deserts um and do some of these practices it's fine but like no one that lives in normal 21st century you know yeah. western Euro- european north american uh mainstream asian lifestyle is going to think that this is a cool way to live and it's like you know, that's the other thing is like if privacy was to be won by wearing digital burkas and you showed up and only one out of a thousand of your fellow countrymen showed up for the burkas like okay is privacy really one like if one out of a thousand of us have privacy does that is that a value um mm-hmm. and yeah, I, it's like a, the, it's, the it's best protection cause... is have a robust democracy and as much transparency as you can get so that if anyone's trying to you know uh skull fuck your privacy for some kind of perverted mate you can you can get enough eyeballs and hands on a situation that it'll you can you can come out okay but we're entering another scary era where they don't need to catch you in compromising positions with lisa bonet on a park bench they can just ai generate that photos oh sure. and that stuff's kicking the door open on a whole set of issues I read this article this week talking about that, like in the 19th century, right before they invented photographs, maybe in the 18th century, you, the only way you could ever claim to know something for certain, like what something looked like, what something sounded like, what something tasted like, felt, uh, felt like is to go and see it in person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A person could draw a manatee for you or could draw an ostrich for you. But have you ever seen any of those like 17th, 18th century natural drawings? They don't, they kind of give you the idea of what it might pop, but it's not like seeing a fucking 4K video on the nature channel, right? Mm-hmm. And that we have lived in this like golden age of information where people from all over the world could look and hear and experience things with a vicissitude that would be in the envy of any person to live before them. And that age is coming to an end. Because we're going to go right back to people being, it's like the opposite side. Instead of these, uh, you know, crude attempts at uh, giving you digital or uh, visual and audio information, you're going to be opposite where AI is going to come and plus things where it's like when someone a hundred years from now shows you a picture of a platypus, is that fucking real? Or did they just run that Mm -hmm. through an AI filter and it's moving and it's an... So, like, we had a hundred year run where we could trust to a high degree information strangers provided us and now we're not going to have that so i how does that change did you see how that changes hmm. things too because it's not even we don't have privacy oh, yeah, we don't yeah. we don't even know what the hell that we're being shown and and so it's like we're going back to the age of the only way you can be sure of something is to go there in person and touch it taste it see it hear it yourself yeah i mean our disagreements on privacy might come down to my a lack of imagination on my part because I cannot imagine a society feeling comfortable in a society that is 100% open with everything. I value my privacy too much. Um, I, I take measures to make sure that, you know, my webcam can't be turned on and my microphones can't be turned on without my permission. And even if they were to be, they wouldn't be able to record anything. Right. I, I take care. I I'm, effectively not on social media i do not use it uh there's a a lot of things i do in my life to preserve my privacy that i value deeply and i don't want to lose that and 
if you were to thrust me right now into a society that has extreme transparency, I would lose my mind. I, I wouldn't be able to handle it. Uh, mm. It would take a hell of a lot of adjustment, and it would probably take like generations of adjustment of new people being born who incrementally get there. Uh, so, so it might just be that I can't imagine it, but fundamentally privacy feels like a thing that human beings need to me. So I want to, it's, it's my response to want to fight back against the loss of privacy and reclaim some of it. Um, and you always have the privacy of between your ears. Like, I don't know how much technology we need to violate that privacy. But, like, I'm trying to think of, like, how much privacy did your average tribal person have 10,000 years ago? You know, you could definitely go away from the village and mm-hmm. do dirty business. You could definitely do it inside your hut, I suppose, or cave. But, like, you didn't have mm-hmm. doors. You didn't have locks. You know, people, it's like, like you were living within arm's reach and sleeping in big groups. Like, like there's the, so it's like, I, I wonder if this expectation of privacy is something that's like a relatively new thing, uh, that maybe Maybe. the ruling elite had for years and years and years and years, but like most individual people didn't. It's like, what the hell does that even mean? Yeah. Like when you're growing up in common houses, two rooms and you've got seven kids and there's no, but you go to a bathhouse where the whole fucking village or sometimes city goes to bathe and Mm -hmm. use their bathroom. And yeah, it might be a relatively new thing for common citizens. Uh, yeah. I'm so accustomed to it. It's so ingrained in me. It's like, ah, I couldn't give that up. It is scary, but it is scary because like these tools in the hands of tyrants, uh, you could like it's it's very, that's the other thing I've been thinking of is like I can't think of any other time in human history where a very small group of people could oppress a very large group of people over long periods of time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, eventually there would be an equilibrium. There's you could reach an equilibrium of like cruelty and like acceptance, but like if that thing gets offset, then the masses can always just you know throw off your chains, go. Uh, guillotine the uh, elites and then the equilibrium resets right i do feel like changed i don't know if it's changed right now but a hundred years from now i don't know that there won't Mm. be control systems and automated ways to to control people to where it might be possible to truly put people in yokes that they can't get themselves out of i don't know i don't know uh because the tools that I mean, the one thing that gives me comfort is like the tools that, you know, organizations and governments can use can also be used by individuals and groups of individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they might have some of the very same tools uh, aimed at them. And that might preserve some ability to to shake those yokes. But I don't know, man, it's a it's a brave new world out there with the technology that we are developing right now. Even more so than just like, I think the stuff in 1998 with this movie that you were super worried about with like cameras being installed everywhere that the government would have access to at a moment's notice, uh, facial recognition, that stuff seems like baby's toys at this point. Yeah. When we're dealing with the scale that we're talking about with some of these new technological inventions. To bring it back to the movie, there's some things in this movie where I almost blacked out when I heard it like uh, there's the debating about this new privacy bill and the people care about their privacy and all this stuff and some guys asserted matter factly hey look when buildings start to blow up it changes how people feel yes and I'm like oh my god does it wait wait another three years oh my god does it 
do, do you know the birth date of John Voight's character in this? Yes, I do. It's 9-11-1940. Is that crazy or what? <laughs> so I watched this parody video of Loose Change that asserted that oh, Back to the Future was an encoded uh was a was a <laughs> like a time traveling plea to avoid 9-11. And okay. So like it's you know, it's the Twin Pines Mall. And then the terrorist attacks, and then it's the Lonely Pine Mall. It's a single pine. It's the two uh -huh. towers replaced with the and one. The uh -huh, yep. And then uh, if you, I think that that there's like something is taking place at six eleven or something like that, or it's uh, it's oh no, it's one sixteen a.m. is when this is happening at the mall, and they freeze frame it, rotate it around. It says nine <laughs> eleven, and like it's like amazing how it was like it's like thing that's like if. If you're a complete moron, mm -hmm. you and then this if this was about a movie like Enemy of the State, I, could, I imagine people would be like, "Oh my god, this is amazing! This is like someone new, Tony Scott new." Obviously, it's, it's a coincidence, but it's a really well. We funny say one. it's obvious, but like I don't know because you have people unironically asserting that Stanley Kubrick did the moon landing with no evidence other than he made a movie with good special effects within right, two well, years of the moon landing. You know, let me qualify that to any reasonable person, it's an obvious coincidence. So that's another thing in that paper I read is in the era of like you have to see it to believe it. Like there is nothing to put the brakes on conspiracy theories. There sure. you're going to get to you can manufacture images of Stanley Kubrick pointing a camera at a moon set, right? And, and there's nothing you can do to. So it's like I I that's the thing. I, I there's a couple ways I think this could end in a bad like the 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 bad ending. One of the bad endings is because of global, uh, climate change um, and the expense um, and the difficulty of dealing with that. We're just going to go back to like a much lower tech existence. Like we're not going to have radar control. Like the 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 debating about self driving. It's not going to be. We're, there's not going to be enough chips to go around. Like you're going to save your chips for like MRI machines and uh, like things that mm. maintain like banking systems you're not going to just be splashing them out in like handheld entertainment systems and stuff that would be a suck future um could go darker oh you could you could manufacture images that make governments think that other governments are working on plots that are a very threat to their existence and decide to strike first right you strike you, a world war three yeah that was the other yeah. one i was going that like you know uh we the low trust environment that um, succeeds the world is going to make uh, large urban developments impossible cities, nation states, and we're going to fragment back into like city hmm. states and tribes and shit. And then sure. we'll have a we'll have a privacy back because you need. That's the thing is like you have to have a couple hundred thousand million billion people working together to have a society where you can have a panopticon. Yeah, yeah. But a panopticon is the type of thing to fragment society to where you no longer can have the specialization <laughs> and it will required inevitably, to do that. It, and then it will inevitably build itself back to the place that they destroyed themselves in before, right? Like, that's that's the thing. This feels like a general direction of quote-unquote progress. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Ev everything's cyclical, yeah? Oh, yeah. Um, Look, if if my... mom could wear bell bottoms in 1990 <laughs> then the world can certainly build technology back to a place where surveillance becomes a problem again 
the, the, so the the thing we're talking about like is epitomized where you know the the NSA that you know Will Smith has been he doesn't even at this point in the movie does not even aware that he's got the device that they're after mm-hmm. he has no idea what's but the, his credit cards gets canceled his wife gets sexual blackmail all this stuff happens he goes into work and his associates are like we have some questions about you associating with this crime and like all this other stuff and Will Smith says. This guy asking the questions, his name's Roger something. He's like, oh, Roger, do you beat off in a shower? Do you ever have any homosexual thoughts? Oh, that's right. Those are none of my fucking business. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to like, because I think that most people with the privacy, it seems like it's this stuff. It's stuff that we're, that kind of everybody does, but we're embarrassed by. Like, I'm not saying everybody has homosexual thoughts. And everybody beats off in a shower. Mm-hmm. I would wager a vast majority of us have pleasured ourselves in a shower and, you know, we have had thoughts about, you know, we had sexual thoughts about the sex we're attracted to. If we were just not shameful about these normal things, yeah. we could not be blackmailed, right? It's true. It's true. I think it's like, like, easier what, said than done. Let's just I know and it's like it's shape. like it's like well what if, yeah. you, if you had nothing to hide you got nothing to be worried about. But like what mm-hmm. if that was truly the case? Like and we talked about this in in the terms of like uh Star Trek. If you have a planet like Beta Zoid or Beta, Beta Z, whatever the hell planet the Beta Zeds are from. If everyone can read your thoughts, like how what what does shame even look like? What does social mm-hmm. mores kind of look like? Like it's a completely yeah. different thing and I can't say it would be bad or different like It'd be different, but I don't think it'd be bad. And I, I just wonder if that's like, I, I always think that like people, when they, they would talk about being blackmailed, it's never like you stole a government secret and where it's always like, you're cheating on your wife. You cheated on this college exam. You didn't do like, it, it's always this ticky tacky bullshit that if you just like yeah, middle fingers, you- I don't care if my neighbors know I beat off in the shower. Boom. You're in the clear. I, I think it comes back to the idea of forgiveness and and fresh starts too, because there are some things you can you can make mistakes that people should hold you accountable for, and fuck up in ways that people definitely should get angry about. The, the problem I think with that ultimate transparency is that you never have an opportunity to shake that. It can always be held against you because it's always known. Whereas in the real world that we live in right now, which may not be the real world for much longer, uh, there's an opportunity for you to remove yourself from that situation and get a fresh start somehow. And that possibility is gone with ultimate transparency. And that, I think, is one of the, at least for me, that would be one of the uncomfortable things about living in that society well you'd also be entirely dependent on like a liberal tolerant society always being yeah. in existence because yeah. if something and if, if there's some kind of reactionary yeah. to like you know what suddenly we're not cool with gay people we're not mm-hmm. cool with roman catholics or we're not cool with whatever and you can't hide the fact and you've been out and proud and loud yeah. about it and everything like that's yeah uh, mm-hmm. But like Jesus Christ, there's a lot of things we depend on having a liberal, tolerant society that it's like probably want to oh, fight, sure. go to the barricades if those things are threatened anyway. So <laughs> it's really? a sticky wicket, really? man, and I don't feel I feel like it's stickier so. every fucking year. Oh yeah, no, I'm with you. We'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause.
And now, back with more Bald Move. Uh, can uh, I ask you this? I, I want to go back to yeah. that congressman scene at the beginning first, because I it was, yeah. something struck me was watching that scene that they got maybe maybe wrong in this movie, maybe like deeply wrong. Okay. Uh, one of the objections that the congressman raises about voting for this bill is, look, I've got three major employers in my district that will go under or or will be killed, I think he says, by the government spying on them. And I want, uh, or by this, by this bill passing, and I want to know what those companies could possibly be involved in. Are they, A, doing dirty business, or B, are they some kind of company that makes money off of privacy? Because the the major employers right now are doing exactly the opposite. He said, so I got, I got three employers that do what? There would be the three major employers in my district that would be killed by this bill passing. And to me, that is exactly the opposite of what's happened. The major employers in our world are the people who are actively eroding and destroying privacy. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what industries would be killed if you passed something that would erode privacy. Right. Like, I could see security uh, companies going under, but that's not major employment. Yeah, you wouldn't think so. I mean, it's the Facebooks, the Googles, the Amazons of the world who are destroying the and privacy those that are and those the major did- employers. And and if you protected privacy, it might destroy them. But, like, yeah, what were the ones right. that... Uh, hmm. so, so that's what I mean. Like, I think this movie maybe got that wrong, right? That there's... <laughs> That in the future, there will be some kind of large industry about protecting privacy. Yeah, that there would be some money on the other side. There'd be some interest. Yeah, there's no money on the, the other citizen. side. Doesn't seem like it. No. Nothing. In fact, all the money. Because there's the no money end. to be made in privacy. I mean, what? I'm going to make a bill. I'm going to make $600 trillion on VPN software. I don't fucking think so. Man, when I rewatched this film, there's a couple things I noticed. One was that Will Smith had a full 12 hours, if not more, that he could have gotten a decisive head start on the NSA. Because there's a scene where um, uh, uh, Khan and the other uh, and 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 Busey show up and they try to shake Will Smith down and you know they pretend to be cops and he kind of like but then they kind of push a little too hard and he's like good night gentlemen. Mm-hmm. That's the evening. What do you think? That's nine, ten o'clock the night before. The next time we see the NSA, Voight's fuming in an early morning meeting. Say it's like eight or nine o'clock at NSA meeting. Sun's in the sky, demanding what we're going to do to this guy. If he 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 had no idea what the hell they were after. Mm-hmm. But man, what could he have done with that twelve hours head start? Oh, imagine how many copies he could have made in twelve hours. I think it's funny the idea that like these these NSA toughs just like took no for an answer and just like went home and went home and went to bed at night and been like I guess we'll file a report in the morning. It's just <laughs> how They're fast just everything else turn, happens, right? This was like a fact finding mission for them. Like, see what he knows. Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know. It's really striking, especially if you've seen Gene Hackman recently. How like young and vital Gene Hackman looks in these movies, mm-hmm. like. I think Gene Hackman's 90s run is my favorite era of Gene Hackman. Like that, but it starts like it maybe start with Hoosiers. Like huh. the Hoosiers, Mississippi Burning, Crimson Tide, Get Shorty, Birdcage era. That's my favorite Man. Gene Hackman era. This is solidly right there. I've seen like maybe two of the ones you just, maybe only one of the ones you've just mentioned and this. I know you've seen Get Shorty because I made you watch it. That was a Travolta yes. one where he played the dopey. That's yeah. it though. 
Mississippi Birdcage is really. We we might have to do a a little uh, Hackman, a little, little yeah, Gene. I Gene I would be down festival. for that. Uh, I really appreciate Gene Hackman a lot more than I did now than I uh, or a lot more now than I did in 1998 for sure. He's incredibly versatile for what you know like he can do funny he can be serious he can be a leading man he can do romance he can do action he's extremely intimidating and masculine he wants to be he also can play like extremely cerebral or nerdy uh, he's just a really 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 good like he's like a a leading man version of a character actor hmm. okay like a Paul Giamatti <laughs> like yeah but uh yeah i mean but even more so like even more mm-hmm. like if he had 10 sideways kind of things yeah um i think one of the things that really works about this movie is because it happens right at the dawn of the possibilities of these things and a lot of the first few acts work because will smith can't conceive of how thoroughly he's been owned and bugged uh-huh. like the fact that they have six recording listening and tracking devices on him at any one time and Mm -hmm. like i thought that was really interesting it's just like how like today you'd be hopeless i think at the nsa but like pre-snowden it would seem like god got you (laughs) yeah right do they still know where i am yeah how can they know every conversation how can they track every phone how can they like i after i went on this how can they keep following me with these uh, this the satellites and Mm-hmm. I've that's like I, I think like I've been there with the t- like once we got doorbell cameras I don't know that I would ever feel comfortable committing any kind of serious crime for any oh, amount sure, of money yeah. or any amount of like pro- like you would go into that knowing like I'm probably going to go to jail so it better be worth it it better be some act of massive civil disobedience or something because like I just can't imagine getting in a car driving someplace or even walking to someplace committing a crime and going back to your home eventually and like the only way you wouldn't get caught if like the cops are just too lazy to do it. Sure. Yeah. The only way I'm going to commit a major crime is if I'm done living my life in the city and mm-hmm. I just decided I want to live on the moon. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to commit a major crime while I'm going out. Well, thank God so many nation states are revitalizing their moon, moon, moon projects. So you can f- Might finally possible. take refuge on Luna. Yeah. I got to start thinking of the crime I want to commit. <laughs> um but 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 will smith everman's status works really well throughout this film like it's he's Mm -hmm. athletic and sturdy and believable enough that you think he can handle like the later like fights and gun plays he gets into and like the running scenes but he's also everyman enough that like you feel that kind of like sheer terror of like this almost lovecraftian struggle that you're having against this vast unseen force Mm mm-hmm Um, You think there's anything to the idea that they make him a Georgetown educated lawyer who routinely rose like they're they're trying to are they trying to make a point that like look at you you're sitting in a movie theater watching this thing eating a tub of popcorn while Will Smith is rowing and getting a high level education if the NSA came after you you wouldn't fare nearly as well think about that right. Yeah, because right? you're not you're not Will Smith. You're you didn't punch an alien in the face. Uh, That's how I felt. I'm like I'm not. I couldn't run as much as he runs in this movie. <laughs> and they do because I I, 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 I I didn't even realize all that. But they do portray him as an athlete. I think it's maybe because they're afraid that people would call bullshit when he starts doing Jason. Because he does do some Jason Bourne shit, like his. Bit crawling outside that hotel room or hotel that's straight up him mm-hmm. uh, getting out of the, the embassy right 
Oh yeah, that's Jason Bourne through and through. I love that scene. I love that's the build Jason up to fucking it. Bourne. I mm-hmm. love that 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 whole chase. Like that chase is crazy, right? From the hotel. And that's that's where I get the, the ambulance, the, the, the booger the eating when they run into the old Chinese couple. And I love it. I it's love funny, it. but that's this that's eating boogers. That's not in a serious. That's <laughs> Syriana doesn't do that show. No, this movie is very similar to Syriana, and they're very prescient, and they like they they feel like they're ripped at. Like even though hmm. they're twenty year olds, they feel like they're made today. But Syriana mm-hmm. doesn't pause to have you know Matt Damon eat his boogers, whereas this one does. <laughs> to have George Clooney take off all his clothes in front in front of a nice old Chinese couple who. The way she starts like grabbing a wallet, and yeah, she's like, she thinks. I think she thinks that her old man, uh huh, got this young Christmas gift. It's Christmas morning, man. Yeah, yeah, and she's like, oh yeah, and she's got the dollars. She's she's ready to start tucking. Uh, Love it. Will Smith, if you haven't seen the movie, he's 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 aware that there's so many bugs on him. He realizes the last thing must be his clothes because he's taken everything else. So he just just rapidly starts undressing in front of these this elderly Chinese couple in their hotel room. While the goons are pounding on the door outside. Uh, and that leads to the tunnel run, which I think is one of the best action. I don't know how they f- mm-hmm. filmed that in 1998, that Will Smith is running down a divided highway on the dotted lines and cars are just whipping past him. I'm sure mm-hmm. they're not going as fast as they look. Yeah. Um, And they're doing forced angle, but like it really mm-hmm. looks like he's about to die. And especially since they opened up with Jason Lee getting meet Joe blacked <laughs> with oh, that fire that truck. Joe like huh. it wasn't that the, the Brad Pitt I've movie where it. he's like the first two minutes, he just gets ran over by a city bus and like he flips in the traffic and the rest of the movie, he's like the grim reaper or something. But this, uh, this is the other scene. So I, there were two things that I remembered about this movie vividly. It was, you're either very smart or very stupid. And that scene where Jason get Lee gets hit by that, fire engine i didn't remember i didn't remember jason mangled. i didn't remember jason leaving being in this like the for the first i just couldn't believe how many famous fucking people are in this movie like yeah. oh my god it's jack black oh my god it's mm-hmm. but it's horrific uh and the overhead shot they show of him lying on the sidewalk after having like they show like the fire engine kind of doing the little bump thing as it runs over him it was it was, it was pretty graphic it uh, and it looks yeah it looks like what happened if Jason Lee got ran over by a fire. I wonder mm-hmm. how that's like to watch. Oh, you mad? It's like that's something Will I would Smith's show my reaction family. Is interesting. He, yeah. He's not nearly as bothered by it as maybe he should be, especially since it's like his old college roommate. Uh huh. He was buddies in college in Georgetown. Flattened. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I thought that was really cool. Um. the amount of menacing they do to dogs in this movie mm. like I don't <laughs> I'm not usually the guy that like complains when they like kill an animal um, in a movie because it's all fake and whatnot, right but this poor they, they get this Labrador retriever they murder his dad in front of him mm-hmm. and he's clearly distressed by it lake yeah. and then they pack the, the, the guy's body in the car send it into the lake and the dog tries to follow so oh, it's sad. so sad. It's so dog trauma. Um, negligent dog tra- dog trauma. They break into Will Smith's house to try to get his device and to make it look like a bunch of kids did it. They spray paint a bunch of. They spray painted his dog green, and Seth Green thinks it's hilarious. 
He would. And then then you mentioned a cat. This cat deserves an Oscar <laughs> for cat. best supporting best supporting catting. I this cat is got this stuff. This cat, I, I love the scene where they're you know spying back, right? And they're spying yeah. on this uh, senator, Congress. I I don't know what he is, but uh, he's the guy who's been pushing this bill, uh, and and you know the need for national security. And the cat's watching him have an affair with his secretary or his aide uh, on camera. The cat's loving it up to mm-hmm. a point, and then the cat gets disgusted and looks away. <laughs> Which I love. There's so many great... Like, I love when... I think Gene Hackman's considering leaving Will Smith. And Will Smith holds up his cat to the window. Like, I got your cat, uh-huh. fucker. You can't leave me. And the, the when that cat gets held up, it's like legs are going every which direction. Its toes are splayed. <laughs> it looks like... the It's got the dumbest look on its face. It looks right at Gene Hackman. It hits every one of its marks. This cat is one of the... Yeah, one of the best cat performers I've ever seen. It deserves com- some kind of heroic uh, effort medal too, because like it gets at, at, right d- during that scene. As soon as Will Smith gets in the car, he tucks this cat into a duffel bag, and mm. then Gene Hackman, when they're getting chased, like okay, so first of all, this car catches on fire, and Will Smith catches on fire. I'm sure the yeah. bag is on fire. This Never heard of stop, be drop, and roll either. <laughs> just freaking out in there. The car blows up, and they run for it. And Gene Hackman grabs this duffel bag slings it over his shoulder and it is it is so shaken it is violently shaken around as he's running across this abandoned train yard or whatever active train yard uh that cat deserves something because it's just a cat getting shaken in a bag for 10 minutes yeah it's uh it's like the worst possible environment for cats they don't like (laughs) they don't like loud noisy shaky uh, yeah. They like closed in closed dark spaces, but not when they True. can't get out of them. Uh, did you think it was <laughs> wild the callbacks to the blender being stole throughout the movie? Like it's I didn't realize booger eating things. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like the NSA agents were in their van and there's like, oh, give me a you want a fresh blend? I'll take a flare at fresh blend. And I'm like, why are they so obsessed with that orange juice? I think they're just trying to show and how then, callous these people are. Or let me ask you they this they killed so, an old man in the first two minutes of the movie I didn't need it like the, the fuck Will Smith's right. but but it's funny like cause I'd forgotten all that and I'm like this is a weird obsession with orange juice and then at the end when they're in the band he's like that's my blender I'm like oh my god they've yeah. been making blender jokes this whole fucking movie <laughs> they have been uh, let me ask you this at they play this off so John Voight you know he's in deep shit right they got the tape on him and he wants to get sure. it back, and so he needs to enact the the apparatus of the NSA. Mm-hmm. And he does so as a training op, standard STO, standard training op, mm-hmm. under falsified FBI approval. So when people are like callously drinking blends from a stolen blender from a house that of, of a dude they just roughed up, do they think this is all training? Are, are we supposed to understand that they're not callous, they're just oblivious? Yeah, did anyone besides John Voight know they were breaking the law? His number two, a 90s hair guy. Oh, yeah, 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 that guy. Definitely, uh-huh. but he's not seen a lot. He's just kind of his action guy, I don't know. He gets stuff done for him. Yeah. 
I'm not sure. That, that's why I was trying to think. Like at some point, Jack Black realizes something is not right here, and he starts recording a conversation that happens. Um, but I couldn't really tell when that tipped him off because because the entire movie he's a little more sympathetic than the rest of them, right? He's he's saying, "Hey guys," when everybody's like this fucker has this tape and we're going to break into his house. We're going to force him to take, to give it to us. Jack Black's like, maybe he doesn't know he has it. Have we ever thought of that possibility? Maybe he just doesn't yeah. know. And he keeps harping on that. So I think he's a little more sympathetic than the rest of them. Most of the movie, but it is I funny. Cause like, most I, of them I thought are just oblivious when they it introduces Jack Black scene, I thought it was funny because he's the one that suggests like, you know, oh, he must have dropped something in the bag, but as soon as people like fixate on it, he's like instantly devil's advocate his own position. Could, They're could like, be the bag John, moved. The yeah, because John Voight's like, oh, he must have dropped the tape in the bag and Jack Black's like, what? Uh, it could be anything. The computers can't extrapolate that. The bag could have twisted. Maybe the light hit it funny. I thought that was really John funny. says, what? You enhanced. <laughs> yeah, you just fucking enhanced and flipped it. This was your theory two seconds ago, motherfucker. What? Yeah, yeah. No, it's... I don't know. I like Jack Black because he's Jack Black, but I think he's a little more sympathetic than most of them. I want to talk about the ending. Oh, I wait, thought, wait, there's oh. a, the break-in, the break-in. I got to talk about the break-in oh, okay. um, since we're here. Uh, I think there's a con, I think there's some kind of not continuity error, but a plot hole. There is one minor plot thing, I think. So the setup here at the beginning of this movie is the tape is dropped into his bag, doesn't know he has it. His kids, he goes home with the gifts and puts them in the closet and his kids are like, or his kid is on the floor with his friend playing video games. And he's like, hey, dad, I'm going to go spend the night over at D- Dylan's house or whatever his name is. And he's like, yeah, you ask your mom. And he hadn't yet. But I was under the impression that he does ask his mom and he does go over there. And we know that he leaves the house, right? Because like Will Smith is holding up the, the bottle of wine saying, uh-huh, we're going to get busy when you get back from dropping the kids off. And then there's a scene where they break into his house, but I thought that was during the time they would have been drinking wine and having sex. But instead, what they're doing is going to pick up their child and bring him home because he's asleep in the back seat. That makes no sense. Well, I mean, child being children being asleep is prime bone time. So like, yeah, but he asks specifically, can I go spend the night at Dylan's house? And they don't say no. He just says, did you ask your mom? Oh man, I don't have enough. Like I, it's like, cause I don't think I paid detailed attention enough to know. That's fair. I had to rewind yeah. it several times to try and figure out I, what uh, might have happened. The only yeah. thing I think is his mom said no, you can't stay over, but you can go over there after dinner for like what two hours, and then we'll come pick you up. Yeah, man. I don't know. I can, I'm I'm trying to think because like the the time the the one that I have in mind uh, is when he goes he picks up his friend from school with the nanny. Like I remember that detailed conversation, but the other stuff is just like I didn't even yeah, like process yeah. it. It is like die. It's just like oh, these are the. Do they ever do that sometimes? Like when people are given the reasons or doing things for scenes, like you don't even file it away. Oh yeah, and it's just like oh. And then I realize it two minutes later when I have this question, like, why the hell are they doing this? And 90% (laughs) of the time I go back and check. And then 10%, I just, I'm an idiot. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I'm sorry. I can't help you with that one. Okay. 
The end of this I'm movie. I'm sure no one can. No one knows this movie intimately enough to answer that question. The end of this movie. Mm-hmm. I thought it was extremely clever. I'd forgotten it. Uh, yes. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Where the fuck is Will Smith taking them? It's going to solve this for all these problems. Because the tape has been destroyed at that point. They don't have a tape. They got nothing. Uh-huh. They got dick in their hands. And as they show up, and as soon as I saw Jared Sizemore, I'm like, oh, or I'm sorry, Tom Sizemore. I'm like, oh my god, because it was all over him wanting a tape, like it's going to be play beautifully. And like John Voight's like wanting to tape and the mafia guys like, fuck you. That's my tape. I pay. And it's just a perfect thing because they're going to talk past each other. They're all violent yeah. cycle, you know, and that's exactly what happens that. And what, what struck me is cause we just did the justified city primeval podcast. I'm going to spoil anything, but this shootout is exactly how I wanted a particular thing to go towards the end of la- like, wouldn't that be like the Albanians, the cops? Mm, yeah, yeah. And instead of Will Smith, you got Clem. Like that would have been the perfect way to end totally. that. And it felt, yeah, like all like the, the constant escalation, the fact that FBI mm-hmm. is legitimately monitoring the and Will Smith knows that. So like the cavalry is going to come at the and end. And the fact that Gene Hackman has dressed up as a local PD. That all plays in like, oh my God, they're roughing, hand. Uh. they're roughing up this cop in the back. We got to move in now. Like it's because yep. that, yeah, it's so, so smart. And like, and and Gene, Gene Hackman observing to himself, ah, not as dumb as I thought, or or smarter than uh, you look, because because is good. It's just it 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 is a little much to shoot out itself. Like John Voight is a making a fucking meal out of being drilled <laughs> by these bullets, but it it felt very satisfying. <laughs> There's a great a great insult from I got Tom this more you want to it's say like, it? you're the one going to jail for felonious cocksucking with attempt to swallow the evidence. It's <laughs> pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> felonious cocksucking. Oh, yeah. Um, it should be illegal the way you're doing that thing. Um, what else do we want to talk about? I have one other thing I want to ask you. We'll be right back with more bald move after this brief pause. And now, back with more bald move. Well, does, and then we can, does we, everybody we've get out of that situation in. if if trigger happy Jake Busey doesn't show up and start shooting people? I, it's one of those there? things like we talk about in psycho history, and it's like whether individuals. It's like I think it was a mm. matter of time for someone to squeeze the trigger. Yeah, Jake Busey just happened to be the finger to squeeze it. Like I another three seconds, somebody else would have done it. So, because it just felt like there's no who was going to be the cool head. Like, the, I guess if they screamed and yelled at each other for another 60 seconds, the FBI might roll in. And, 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 but they already, I feel like, didn't they already? Well, but they don't have the, t- you're right. They didn't have nothing. I was trying to think if, like, if, 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 yeah, like if the FBI had, would, would they have enough if they rolled in to, like, crack the case and put everybody on ice because that's the other uh, question Jack what if John Black Voight survived what if John Voight survived and was able to bury yeah. his tracks a bit would that would the movie have had a happy ending that way too I did wonder I don't know because it had kind of gotten out of his hands at that point right it, it gotten away from him because his boss well, got involved and and that and, one general came in and it's like and there's only like six people in that room so it's like yeah. it became clear that 
you guys you guys better have this authorized or someone's going to fry and there's yeah. not that many people sitting around that table so they could have it seems like Voight would have gotten got but I don't know if Will Smith and Gene Hackman would have been safe yeah maybe not I, I, I don't know if that's one of the points they're trying to make is that this is not a problem with the government being untrustworthy with this technology but rather individual bad actors but that's the exact same thing like saying in my you can't mind, trust yes. the government because of this the yeah because the government's made of all ton of individual actors some of them bad yeah uh that's certainly how i feel about it i don't know how the movie feels about it because they do make the point that he was not acting under official authority last question before we get to uh andy stuff i read another so this is a Malcolm Gladwell podcast when he was doing the, I don't know if he's still doing I've, I've, I haven't listened to this podcast in a while but he had this one interesting thing where he talked about parodies um, you know a lot of times we talk about co- co- you know comedians they have this unique role that they can speak truth to power and blah 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 it's actually been a lot of sociologists to look into the matter and it turns out for any beneficiary value there has for like you know people pointing out the emperor has no clothes um, the parody also serves to normalize and even endear the public with such behavior because it's extracted from this monster doing things to the caricature of the monster that everyone laughs at. And then you like that person. There is an interesting article that I wrote contemporaneous like people or no, I don't think it's good. I think this was written in like 2010 where they were talking about movies like this and they, they listed a bunch because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of them they, they're praised by how prescient they are and like what a warning they are but they, they actually made the argument of like movies like this soften us up for privacy violations it's like you scare you know it's like a jump scare it's like a it's like a, a person crying wolf so that by the time 10 years later Edward Snowden shows up and says there's actually a wolf people are like we've known about this for years and mm-hmm. then Will Smith running Gene has a bunch of bullshit looking into Whereas if you found out about it without this prep, you might be more offended because it's really happening. Yeah, if like this came out of nowhere, we thought we had privacy, and then we found out that the NSA is reading all of our texts. Yeah, but since it's more offensive than like, oh, I can imagine a future where we could read texts. So they kind of yeah incorporate that into what you think of our society, and then. When it it's actually like a, comes it's, out, it's, it's, it's like training us to it, like it, like it, it like to, to desensitize and normalize us. Do you think there's because like I, I, it sucks I because like I love parody and I love things like this that like science fiction that like shines lights on troubling things in our society. But like I'm also seeing that there's a lot of evidence that they don't. There's also a lot of evidence that don't really hurt either. They're kind of like neutral, you know. For every person that it kind of raises the alarm for, it makes someone else endeared yeah. or but like. Yeah, I don't know. I could definitely see a case for it. I, I, right. I think like conceiving of an idea has a way of normalizing it. Certainly. Uh, let's go with Andy and see what uh, he wanted us to consider. He uh, well, said, "I got one more question first. Oh, sorry. sorry. Don't mean to rush uh, it. It's about the ending. There, there's a. It's the scene, you know, where Brill, Lyle, whatever you want to call him, has bugged." Robert's living room and Robert thinks it's hilarious you know shows shows him on the TV hey I'm living on the beach whatever mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning of that scene we see that he Robert was cleared of all charges the mob boss was implicated for Rachel's death mm. why 
I don't understand that. To keep the government's name out of the headlines. That's the only thing that makes sense. That like showing that they're controlling the narrative still. Yeah, because they're not going to what are going to they're like um, that headline said nothing about NSA involved in blackmail. It's just that he got cleared. You know, the system works Mm -hmm. because that's the important thing to like. Yeah, that makes sense. If ever a majority of us thought that the system didn't work, it'd be a scary time. Sure. That's called a revolution, I think. Yeah. 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 So um, shall we get to Andy's thoughts now? Mm-hmm. He asks, how prescient is this movie? It's written and produced prior to the major tech developments in the early 2000s before we were all strapped into smell fo- strapped with smartphones. Also, of course, prior to the consequences and objections to the Patriot Act, there's always been American concerns about the government's invasion of privacy, but this movie raised them in the context of advancing technologies. I mean, yeah, I think we covered that very well. Super prescient, mm-hmm. but in like an oddly hit or miss kind of, of uh, way. Uh, he also says the act in this movie is just so strong. I love Gene Hackman's curmudgeonly pulling himself out of retirement. Will Smith's exasperation turned to action. Regina's King's frustration and virtue. Who's going to monitor the monitors? I believe John Voight basically plays himself. One quotable line for me that I will jokingly say at work is you're either incredibly smart or incredibly stupid. <laughs> so many things to like here, even Jack Black. The thing is, is like, you got to go back. John Voight's a lot like, you know, uh, Al Pacino and Jack Nicholson. You got to go back in their catalog of ways before you discover why they're respected actors right because yeah john like there is yeah. no difference in my mind because between john voight in this movie john voight in mission impossible and john voight in anaconda except for he's trying to affect a ridiculous cuban accent in the later movie but otherwise i'm with you. the affect the physicality the haircut the power it's mm-hmm. the exact same but you go back to like early John Voight, like midnight cowboy type shit. Uh, oh, true grit. Yeah. Uh, sure. Deliverance. And you start to really see why he's a well-respected actor. This is, you're watching a fat old man collecting a check in this movie, you know? <laughs> he's, he's, they're not paying him to do anything but play himself. They, he's here, isn't he? he yeah. I think it's, I think it's no it. accident to half the movie he's in a bathrobe and slippers. <laughs> he just he Seth Green did he showed up he put his bong down and he said roll (laughs) he's like look I'll do this movie but only if you come during Christmas and film it with my uh, me yelling at my family because I'm only going to do like five minutes on set yeah Uh, where does this film rank in terms of spy movies in terms of it being believable Uh, excluding Mission Impossible James Bond my roommates at school and me used a love spy game as well I thought about submitting that as a commission but ultimately this I think is a better movie I remember liking spy game I spy only saw it once a long time ago it's uh, not as good as sneakers but yeah. it's got better action scene than sneakers it's slicker than sneakers but it's God, not quite one. as realistic the net where, where do you put it against the net i haven't seen the net in 20 I haven't plus seen the years net in either. a while you also got to throw in all the jack the tom clancy's of the era like patriot sure. games which i think patriot games is probably the best harrison ford jack ryan uh hunt for out october is is in my mind the best um clear and present danger but that's the clint eastwood one yeah 
You know, last uh, last Christmas, I, I was going through and watched a lot of Christmas movies. And one of the movies I watched is, I think it's called Last Days of the Condor. It's this Robert Redford movie. It's famous for being this really intense spy thriller that's set in Christmas. And I remember being bored by it. I kind of want to go back and rewatch it because there was a couple points in the movie where I was getting those kind of vibes where it's like, it's kind of cat set in a Christmas and it's cold and people are doing secret things and good looking people are doing this, that, and the other. And, um, yeah. Uh, but that's it from Andy. Uh, thanks for commissioning a really fun movie that, uh, you mentioned it being precinct. That's the thing is like, I didn't remember it being like watching it and thinking like, Oh God, this is so next level. But like, it's, Honestly, if you're like a Gen X or older millennial, it's kind of jaw dropping that this movie is made almost exactly three years before 9 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. It's, it's like pre arguing all of these points. And, you know, if I guess you want to get conspiratorial and say that was the government's, you know, first salvo at softening up our minds to accept the weight of our yoke that they're about to, like, the, the, you got all. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the government had anything to do with this movie yeah. being made, but. You should see the lonely. Hey, you should see the lonely pines. uh, Back to the Mm -hmm. future documentary. Change your Mm -hmm. mind. Holly's been doing this for years, preparing us for the coming dystopia. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Just give me the hoverboards, and I'll live in that dystopia. Yeah, give me Jaws 14 and 3D and hoverboards, Mm -hmm. and we'll accept the. Because that's the thing. It's dystopia without the hoverboards. What the fuck? What the fuck are we doing? Our hoverboards had wheels. That's not, and they blew up and caught on fire. (laughs) Not my privacy. good enough. My privacy for a hoverboard. <laughs> Thank you, Andy, for commissioning this podcast. You might wonder and be asking yourself at this point in the podcast, gee whiz, that was fun. It must be really cool to hear Jim and Aaron talk about my favorite movie that I want to hear him talk about. And I've heard it is. I've heard third, third hand. It's a cool experience. You want to try, uh, try that out yourself? Go to support.baldmove.com. Scroll down a, a bit. There's a commission of podcast option. You click on that, you look at the terms and conditions, you pay your money, and then we get in touch with you and handle the rest. Thanks Give us again, your information. Andy. Give us that information. That's right. You're gonna you're gonna be providing us and third parties with your credit card, <laughs> a title of a movie, and your mm-hmm. email address, bare minimum. And with that, we'll triangulate you to <laughs> making out Lisa Bonet in three seconds. Uh-huh. Um yeah, that's uh, the, that, that. No one wants to do commission. We made it creepy. We made it creepy. Uh, but you know, loss of privacy, it's creepy. Support.ballmove.com. Commission a podcast. Thanks, Andy. We'll see you on the next one. Until then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. Later.